1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor.
2: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? With regard to Chen's newsletter, you do need to put your name on a waiting list as Chen accepts new subscribers up to a set number of new subscribers and only during the first two weeks of each quarter. So for the first two weeks of January 2016, Chen will be accepting new subscribers. So be sure to go to miningstocks.com. Put your name on a waiting list at miningstocks.com. Uh, and uh, then you'll be hearing from Chen uh, by way of an email at the start of the new year. Uh, also, you can sign up for my newsletter at miningstocks.com as well. Would also like to remind you if you haven't taken advantage of or listened to uh, Chen's interview that I did with him last week. It is posted at J Taylor Media. J-A-Y TaylorMedia.com. Go to the podcast page and you can hear Chen's uh, comments on a couple of very exciting biotech companies, uh, Sarepta Therapeutics and Sorrento Therapeutics, two companies that I find very exciting, uh, prospects, I think, for major upside from uh, the current levels. And uh, Actually, uh, I have also recommended uh, Sorrento Therapeutics in my own newsletter, so if you subscribe to that letter, you can certainly learn a lot as well uh, from that source. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. also like to ask you uh, to continue sending your comments and questions along um, to questionsforTaylor@gmail.com. at gmail.com, questions, the number four, uh, taylor at gmail.com. Also, you can catch me on Twitter at JTaylorMedia. I do want to thank our sponsor for today's show, that's Dynacor Gold Mines. Uh, I want to thank them for making this show economically viable. And I am really happy to report to you that Dale Neljimaldin of Dynacore Gold Mines will be with me today to provide an update on the significant progress being made by that company. One of the few companies, in fact, in the gold mining space that is making money, not only making money, But they are growing their gold production and profits very substantially as well. Uh, And they have some very exciting exploration news that has come out. In fact, they uh, are exploring, they have some production coming from their property in Peru called Tumi Pampa. But in addition to that, they also have some very exciting exploration news that has recently come out. and that has to do with uh, the discovery of a copper gold porphyry. Now, they're right in the middle of some of the largest copper gold porphyries in the world. This, uh, If this porphyry turns out to be of substantial size, I think this stock could, uh, could do extremely well. Uh, but short of that, they're doing very well just in terms of steady growth in production. And Profit uh, margins will be growing uh, as well, but, but be sure to listen to Dale. Actually, Dale will be talking to Dale in just a couple of minutes after our first commercial break. Uh, before I talk a little bit about what today's show is about, I'd also like to uh, remind you um, or to tell you, essentially, that uh, I'm going to be interviewing Quentin Henning of Novo Resources. Now, Novo has been a sponsor of this show. Uh, the share price has suffered some weakness, as most gold mining shares have of late, but Quinton will be uh, providing an update on Novo Resources plans going forward. So that will be at J. Taylor Media. Again, go to the podcast page at J. Taylor Media. Now, we have titled our show today, Preparing for Dark Times with Money and Other Forms of Capital. Well, as I mentioned, uh, I will be talking to Dale Nesmaldeen after the first break, but our main guests today, Chris Martinson and Adam Taggart, well, they were with me just two weeks ago they're returning by popular demand today actually uh, to discuss a little more in depth their book prosper you know the physical world has limits Uh, you wouldn't know it from the way the bankers are printing money they seem to think there are no limits to how much money they can create and then the demands on those limited physical resources are bound to cause some problems and with massive debt based money creation because that's really what we have now we have money that is created out of debt With that, growing exponentially, the world is facing, I believe, very likely a very dismal future of mass bankruptcies and the likelihood, very possibly, of major wars. Well, Chris and Adam, as I say, will be with us again today at about half past the hour to talk more in depth about uh, how we might prepare to plan to thrive physically materially and spiritually in in some very difficult days that may very well lie ahead. Preparing financially is part of what Chris and Adam will talk about but equally essential in their books they outline the needs for other forms of capital such as material, knowledge, emotional, social, cultural, living and time capital. However today when, when Chris Uh, And Adam Return will be talking mostly about financial capital and they have some very interesting things I think they'll have to tell you about deflation and inflation and how they perceive things uh, might likely unwind as we go forward. So they will be with me at about half past the hour, but for now we must take a commercial break after which Dale nesmal will be with me to talk about Dynacore Gold Mines, one of the most exciting, I think, and certainly most prosperous gold mining companies out there. So don't go away. I'll be right back with Dale nesmal
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Investors deserve to start seeing greater returns, period. Creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined, fiscally responsible style. At Dynacor Gold Mines, we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution. Cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history. Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at DynacorGold.com or follow us on Twitter at DynacorGold.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's one 472 5790 You can also send an email to taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor, at
2: gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times Into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm glad to have with me, for the first time, Dale Nejmeldeen of Dynacor Gold Mines. We are used to talking to Jean Martineau, the president of the company. Uh, He is traveling today in Peru, tending the company's business down there. But Dale knows the company as well as anybody, and uh, we're really glad to have him with us today. Dynacor trades in Canada under the symbol DNG. You can buy it in the United States, as I have, under the symbol DNGDF. 37.4 million shares outstanding trading recently at around $1.20 U.S., giving it a market cap of only about $45 million in U.S. money. And that is despite the fact that this has been a company that has been operating profitably for 18 consecutive quarters in what has been one of the most difficult gold mining markets on record. DynaCore has implemented a gold ore purchasing business more successfully than any public company that I am aware of. The company is continuing with its ore purchasing business now, but it may be, in my view, on the verge of a very explosive period of earnings growth and gold production. And it may be also on the verge of a major gold-copper-porphyry discovery that could make it extremely attractive to some of the biggest copper gold mining companies down in that area of Peru, right around the Tumi Pampa property that Dynacor is exploring. Well, despite all the good news, the stock, as I say, is still selling at a very low price, a very low market cap, and which makes it extremely attractive, in my view, Giving all it has going for it. And so I've been telling my subscribers, now's the time to really start adding to your holdings of Dynacor. I recommended it back in 2010 at $0.32. It has traded as high as $2, uh, but I think it's uh, it's really getting ready to to rise very dramatically in the not-too-distant future. And I say that even with gold prices where they are now. At a time when most gold mining companies are struggling to survive, it is good, really, to have Dale with me today to provide us with an update on this remarkable gold mining company that has not only survived, but is on the verge of what I believe, again, is going to be explosive growth. Thanks for joining me today, Dale.
4: Thank you, Jay. It's always a pleasure
2: to speak here. Always great to have you. You know, uh, with respect to your ore purchasing business, you're building a new plant there. It's a, a place called Chala, Peru, and management is planning to wind down the existing operation, I believe. Um, over time, at least. Now, when do you envision Chala will be up and running and on stream, and, and what and what will that mean for gold production and the profits of the company? Let's say the profit margins of the company, anyway.
4: Well, I think uh, you know what uh, we've been giving some progress updates uh, uh, on the through our news releases, and then we put out uh, some pictures uh, just the other day. Uh, we're trying to keep uh, keep the market uh, updated on uh, on the construction progress. And I'm happy to say, Jay, that uh, it's on schedule and uh, it's on budget. And what I'm hearing, uh, when I was back in uh, in Peru about uh, a month, month and a half ago, sitting down with the uh, the construction manager, Jorge Lewis, uh, we were talking about uh, dates and schedules, uh, what kind of expectations we're looking at going forward. And uh, they're very confident that we're going to be opening up uh, our brand-new plant in February. So we're not, uh, we're not talking about years away uh, here anymore. We're talking about uh, a few short months. Mm, now, good. that's going to be an exciting time for us because, you know, this is uh, – you're right. This is, a, this is a new plant, and uh, it's a cost-efficient plant. Uh, we put out a, uh, some numbers uh, just recently on our investor presentation – and uh, the exciting thing about this is that uh, we, we're expecting to uh, save in around the uh, $8 uh, an ounce uh, in regards to our uh, our uh, energy savings, because this, this plant will be one of its kind uh, connected to the actual power grid. The one we're operating now uh, in Wonka is uh, is powered by uh, diesel power generators, and mm-hmm. there's a difference a major difference. I mean, we're paying right now about $0.26, $0.27 cents per kilowatt at Wonka, and we're going to be down to around uh, 7 $0.08 cents at the new plant, Chala.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, the other, the other exciting thing is uh, our tailings savings. We're, we're paying right now about $15 a ton for tailings at Wonka, and uh, we expect that to go down to about $1.50. So we're targeting another 12 to $13 an ounce savings there. And then, of course, the big one is the fact that this mill, as you know, is located right off of the Pan American Highway, and uh, that's a major advantage for, uh, not only for Dynacorp, but for the providers themselves. It's going to save us, uh, we expect, uh, we'll, we'll be looking at saving up to around $40 an ounce. Wow. So you can, you're talking 30 to 40% difference between the new new mills, So we're very, very excited uh, to get this new mill up and running. And, uh, we're expecting to start, uh, sometime in the, uh, the second quarter. We, we believe our first gold, gold core will take place. So let's say, you know, March, April, May, uh, in, in that, in that May, uh, April, May, June timeframe. And mm-hmm. we're going to, trying to open up at 300 tons per day or 102,000 tons per year. Mm-hmm. And you know, our grades are very high. We have uh, some of the highest grades in Peru. We attract the highest grade producers uh, because we are the most efficient ore processing company in that country. And uh, at one ounce per ton, you can see the, uh, I mean, you can do the numbers yourself. Yeah, sure. uh, uh, we're, we're looking on an annualized basis. When we open up at 300 tons per day, we're looking at an annualized basis of uh, around 90,000 ounces of gold. Mm. This is a significant increase, not only in terms of production, but also in terms of profit.
2: What do you expect to produce this year, Dale? I mean, just to put that in contrast with what do you expect to produce this year? Sure.
4: You know, what we're looking for this year is uh, our guidance uh, came out uh, about a month, a uh, month and a half ago, two months ago. Uh, we put guidance out between sixty four to 68,000 ounces for 2000 and, uh, 2015. I will remind you, though, in October we had a very good month. We produced uh, 6,800 ounces of gold. So if you look at that month, on an annualized basis, we're already over 80,000 ounces.
5: But
2: mm-hmm. for a
4: year, we're, we're comfortable in saying sixty-four to 68,000 ounces.
2: All right. So you're increasing your production. You're increasing your margins very dramatically, the way it looks. And so we should be looking at increased earnings uh, as well, I would guess.
4: Yeah. I mean, and again, okay, we can do the numbers. And this is the advantage <laughs> with, Dynac- uh, with Dynacord. We have the results. Okay, this isn't just talk. We have now 18 quarters of consecutive profits. We're coming on five years in a row of profits here. And we can look at these numbers, and we can go back and look at our net profit per ounce. And if you look uh, in the last last years, our average net profit per ounce, and this is taking into consideration the low, weak gold price environment that we're dealing with right now, our average uh, net profit per ounce is about $91 an ounce. Okay, mm-hmm. that's coming from the mill we're operating at, and we've been operating at for uh, almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. A well, as I said, the new mill will see an increase of about 30 to 40 percent. So let's say, you know, uh, to just err uh, on the side of caution, let's say we up that 91 dollars to about
5: 120
4: dollars an ounce profit, 110, 120, 130 in that range.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Well. You know, we're going to be at ninety thousand ounces of gold when we open up uh, the new mill yep. in the second in the second quarter, and uh, we're planning to to increase as soon as we possibly can to three hundred and sixty tons per day which will then take us over 105 uh, 105,000 ounces for the year. So just doing the math simply, 100,000 ounces of gold at let's say $120 an ounce net profit, you're looking at about $12 million. Mm-hmm. So we're talking a uh, company with only 37.4 million shares outstanding
2: right exactly uh, all right well that's that 's exciting, but you know what I, I again, this is your standard bread and butter business. This is what you guys have been doing since since you started there uh, and doing very, very successfully more successfully than anyone else I know in an ore purchasing model. But what I find really exciting going forward, Dale, and one of the reasons i 've liked your company right away from the start is that you 've been able to use these cash flows to build your business organically. And so now you are about to start at some point here, and I want to ask you about this next, at Tumi Pampa, you have your own gold deposit there that you are developing. It's a high-grade gold deposit. Your margins, I believe, will be even better on that when you start mining from that. What are your plans uh, in terms of mining Tumipompa, your high-grade vein system there that you have?
4: Well, as you know, Pampa consists of uh, three different uh, mineralized zones, okay? We have, uh, well, just recently we discovered, I'll, I'll speak about that in a few seconds, a, a major corp rediscovery. Right. Uh, we have a disseminated breachat, uh, and then we also have uh, underground veins, uh, high-grade underground vein system, which we're not only just drilling, Jay. Okay, we're, we're doing more than drilling. We're actually underground now. We, we've been working and developing and working the, uh, the underground vein <laughs> by way of cross cuts, uh, drifts and, uh, addits and, uh, and raises. And this is all being prepared for exactly what you just said. Our own production. That's the plan and that's the goal for, uh, for Dynacore going forward. Uh, we're already stockpiling, uh, starting to collect and stockpile ore from, uh, from the, uh, underground vein system area. And we're going to be, pl- we're going to be using the mill, the Wonka mill, as a pilot test. And we're going to do our own bulk sampling. Uh, we're going to do batches of about 1,500 tons. And, uh, in the meantime, we're going to apply for our extraction light. And we expect that, uh, when we, app- we'll-, we'll probably apply for it, uh, we're expecting to apply for this license in the first quarter of 2016. Okay? Oh, okay. And we expect that, uh, let's just, you know, again, play it safe here. I would say within two years from today, we should be looking at uh, at the delivering or from Tumipampa to our new mill, Chala, and being able to produce and sell the gold.
2: Okay, so and as
4: far as the margins, you're right. Sorry, but the margins, yeah, you're absolutely right. The margins on the you know that have been calculated, and this includes transporting the ore from Tumipampa down to our down to our mill. Uh, the margins that uh, we're looking at would be about three times as high, three to four times as high, as what we're making right now through our ore processing.
2: Of course, we'll we'll know a little bit more as time goes on in terms of how much. Uh, how much ore you'll be pulling from there. Will you be providing? I think you're, you're planning to provide, are you not? A 43101 number very soon from Tumi Pampa in your underground vein system there?
5: Exactly. And this
4: is one of the things that we need in order to, uh, before we can apply, we need to have an impor- internal calculation of our reserves at Tumi Pampa. That's part of the process, okay? along with uh, independent uh, study of our metallurgical recoveries, which we already have, and they came in very, very well and also uh, a mine plan. As I said, we expect to have this uh, wrapped up so that we can apply in the beginning of uh, in the first quarter of 2016. But yes, the company will be able to, for the first time, announce its own 43-101 resource calculation. And that's big for dynacore because the gold that comes, uh, that comes through on that resource calculation is as close to money in the bank as you're going to get. Why? Because we already have a mill. And the mill is uh, is uh, already permitted, and uh, if the plan is for us to deliver the ore down to the, uh, down to the mill
2: but you will be uh, before the, two years from now, when you expect to be producing yeah. from uh, at chala uh, producing the yeah. tumi Pampa ore uh, gold from producing it at Challa, the tumi Pampa gold. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, you're going to be processing some at Wonka. That, that is uh, some bulk sampling at Wonka? Is that what you're yeah, planning to do?
5: Yeah, exactly.
4: I mean, in the meantime, that's what we'll be doing. So it, it, it'll be, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good test uh, for Kumi uh, Pampa. And uh, by the time uh, we receive the license, uh, you know, we will have run it through the, the Wonka, Wonka mill. And as I said, we're going to do it in batches of uh, about uh, fifteen hundred tons, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the the intent.
2: Okay, well, that's really good. And then, uh, though, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, you you should be seeing some growth and some very significant growth then in earnings and and production over the next few years, even with uh, lower gold prices. Should they remain, I would uh, wonder though. To me, what has always excited me in the real blue sky, the potential frosting on the cake is the uh, is the porphyry discovery that you've just recently made, the potential for major bulk mineable copper, gold, gold, copper mineralization there at Tumi Pampa as well. And you recently came through with some very exciting numbers with your porphyry discovery. Can you talk about that for a minute?
4: I'd love to. You know, the, the porphyry discovery is significant for uh, for Dynacore and uh, for Tumi Pampa because the property surrounding Tumi Pampa. Are made up of porphyry, and uh, some of these are large. These are giant porphyries, ranging anywhere from uh, 500 to uh, 1. 1.2 almost 2 billion tons of uh, of ore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is significant because, uh, we, we, uh, now have our own core free. It's a large, uh, free on the surface. Okay. We've discovered on the surface 1.7 kilometers by 750 meters. That's 1.3 kilometers squared. Now what we, now what we need to do is we need to determine and, and, uh, the, uh, the continuity, at, uh, at depth and that comes by way of drilling. And the, the targets are already uh, in flight for the porphyry, and uh, we're going to be—you uh, know—we're going to have some very interesting uh, results uh, coming out in the uh, in the coming weeks and months on uh, on this particular zone. And if we do hit, and we hit at a significant uh, depth and width, yes, there's going to be even more uh, more excitement building around that porphyry. That's for sure. What they're thinking, uh, Jay's—they're thinking the act the porphyry itself is the source of the uh of the of the gold and the copper uh that we're finding at the uh at the Mount and the underground uh, vein system that we're working on. It shows it very clearly in our investor presentation I can't remember what page uh, if you look on our investor presentation uh, presentation you'll see there's a there's a nice map showing the porphyry uh alongside the uh the vein system which is about 2.3 kilometers away. They think it's connected, and if it's connected, well, uh, I think you know what that
2: means. It could be very, very big. I know in talking to Gene uh, in the past, he has always pointed out that if you're discovering something very major there, and I think he always had in mind that it was a very distinct possibility, that you would probably be looking to joint venture or do some sort of a deal with one of the other big boys there because you have world-class mines all around you there and you have world-class mining companies mining them. Obviously, the amount of resources it takes both financial as well as technical to put a major porphyry deposit into production is beyond the scope of, of a Dynacor generally. So, so have you had any attention? Have some of the big boys, are they aware of what you're doing there? Are they aware of your results?
4: Yes, they are.
2: All right. Well, Dale, you know, this is really exciting. When do you think we might start to see some long drill holes uh, results coming out? How soon?
4: The porphyry system, I would, uh, because the porphyry we're going to be delivering in, uh, in batches uh, down to the lab and uh, that's going to be an ongoing uh, campaign on the pour free. Best guess on the for free would be sometime in the uh, first quarter. would be nice maybe even before uh, before PDAC.
2: Well, that would be great. Uh, it could be really, really exciting, Dale. I, I can't uh, think of many, if any, junior mining companies, producers for sure, that have done such a great job as you guys have, have been able to keep the share count down, grow organically, and have the kind of upside potential that you appear to have here. It's really an exciting story. Uh, We do have to go. We're out of time. Is there anything else you might want to leave our listeners with, uh, any other thoughts before we conclude our discussion today?
4: Well, I just want to say, you know, Jay, first of all, thank you. Uh, It's always a pleasure to speak with you and uh, just, you know, remind uh, you that uh, we think 2016 and uh, going into 2017 are going to be uh, banner years for our our company uh, because we have uh, three major, uh, major events that we've been waiting for for quite some time. They're going to materialize uh, in the new year. I mean, we're going to be opening up this brand new cost-efficient mill. Some are saying, you know, this is going to be the mill that's going to uh, it's going to act as a central hub of your processing. It's certainly going to change your processing landscape in Brew, that's for sure. And we're also uh, looking at an increase in production and an increase in profit margins. And you know, our share count is uh, is still at uh, around 37, 37.4 million shares I yes. think. You can do the math very easy. You're going to see uh, that the potential for earnings growth uh, is very real with Dynacor. We're expecting at least uh, two times uh, earnings uh, to increase our earnings power. And, of course, for the first time ever, we're going to be announcing our own 43-101 resource calculation.
5: And
2: that's oh. going to be big. For All right. All right, Dale, we'll have to leave it at that because we're out of time. I want to thank you very much for being with us. And uh, so, folks, don't go away, though, because coming up next after the commercial break, Chris Martinson and Adam Taggart of Peak Prosperity will be with us. Both of those guys like gold a lot. Uh, They have a lot of other ideas, though, in terms of forming financial capital. Uh, You won't want to miss what they have to say, so don't go away. We'll be right back after the break.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Investors deserve to start seeing greater returns, period. Creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined, fiscally responsible style. At Dynacore Gold Mines, we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution. Cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history. Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at dynacoregold.com or follow us on Twitter at Dynacor Gold.
1: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
2: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And, uh, well, it was only two weeks ago that Adam Taggart and Chris Martinson of Peak Prosperity were here on this show to talk about their new book titled Prosperity, the subtitle to this new book, uh, which you can easily find uh, in any major bookstore or online. Uh, The subtitle to that book is How to Prepare for the Future and Create a World Worth Inheriting. Uh, Because I think this book is so important and because we didn't get a chance to focus on on various aspects of the book But one in particular that I want to talk about uh, I'm really happy to have both of both Adam and Chris back with me again today to cover some of this material that I think is so so Important so thanks Chris and thanks Adam for joining me again.
5: Oh my pleasure
2: Uh, Always good to have both of you with me so soon again, Uh, you know When you two joined me, uh, you both explained about financial capital. You you talked a little bit about financial capital, but you talked about there's so many other forms of capital that are really important for us to develop because financial capital might not be all you need. You know, we sort of had in mind that we just build up a huge bank account. Everything will be okay. Adam, maybe you could help us understand why maybe millions of dollars in the bank may not be all we need. Sure. And, uh, you know, let me say first and foremost, it's
6: not going to hurt, but um, what what we find that that most people who have a lot of financial capital, but not a lot of the other types of capital that we talked about on the the previous show, they tend to be very defined by that money. And uh, as we talk a lot about in the financial capital chapter of, of the book, Prosper. Um, we talk about um, a lot of the threats to the purchasing power of that wealth. And I'm sure we'll get into it that a bit in this discussion here. But, uh, but those that have a lot of money uh, and only a lot of money, they basically live with a chronic anxiety because it, they either know Consciously or subconsciously, that, uh, that their capital, their financial capital, is under threat. and because their entire identity is wrapped up in it, you know, they're basically just staring at a future where it seems inevitable that, uh, that, that that financial capital, its purchasing power, its value, is eroding. And they don't know at what pace it's going to erode, and, and they live in fear of, uh, which we think is, is not an unwarranted fear, of another 2008-style crash, or worse, uh that could vaporize a lot of that wealth very quickly. And uh, you know, the the emotional insecurities that we see from these people is my gosh, if 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 my money truly defines me, um and, and I let it define my happiness in life, if it suddenly goes away from me, um, whether it's very quickly or, or just sort of a grind down over time, what's left of me? Who am I? Um so it's uh it's it's surprisingly there's a, a phrase out there that says, um some people are so poor, all they have is money. Um, and we like to use that as a starting off point when we discuss this topic
2: yeah that's that 's uh, that's, that's sort of humorous in a way because i you know i 've always thought that if you could just build up enough money. Uh, enough capital enough financial capital you'll be well off but i guess uh, chris anything to add on that i mean it seems to me what we're talking about loss of purchasing power is certainly something that we understand but i think you're talking about other possibilities as well infrastructure breakdown and so forth which is which is always possible indeed we live here in new york city and we we experienced uh, the uh, the hurricane sandy which did a great deal of damage to a lot of people and disrupted their lives significantly for protracted period of time. But anything you'd like to add to what Adam just said?
3: Well, sure, Jay. It, uh, you know, what Adam and I are really uh, talking about is once people actually understand how the system works, so maybe the just-in-time food delivery system or, or the actual state of our, of our grid, if you look into the electrical grid of the United States and the various threats that might make it go away for a period of time. Um, and you look at all the, the things that we built up for ourselves in our society, you quickly discover that we have a very cost-efficient, very complex uh, system of life built for ourselves. Of course, you know, once things could um, get disrupted, and Hurricane Sandy certainly created a regional disruption, we're concerned that it's, it's no longer unthinkable. That we might have a more widespread disruption say within the banking system if we had a big financial accident say the derivatives pile really caught on fire and and, um, burned down for the banking system or there's another geopolitical conflict that causes capital controls to be imposed across borders or there's a big banking holiday or anything like that so really what Adam and I are are, uh, trying to raise awareness around is this idea of being actually truly diversified So most people that hear diversified, they're thinking what their broker just told them, and it means I'm in Mm -hmm. U.S. equities and foreign equities. And Mm -hmm. we believe that true diversification is you take a portion of your financial wealth, some portion, maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 25%, depends on your circumstances, but you dedicate that to becoming actually more robustly diversified into other areas of your life, which are these other forms of capital, that should there be a disruption, these things will prove immensely valuable in that future scenario. But if you do it the way that, that that we've thought about doing it and that we outline in our book, Prosper, you can do this in a way that actually brings you measurable, quantifiable, and quality of life improvements today, no matter what future arrives or doesn't arrive. Mm-hmm. And so we think it's just a really dominant strategy is, is to be, get yourself robust, resilient, today in ways that really improve your life today, and if this future
2: does happen, if these various scenarios happen, you'll be really glad you did these things. All right, Chris. Well, you know, you talk about uh, taking a portion of your financial capital and setting it aside into a resilience-building fund. We talked about resilience the last time uh, that the two of you were with us. Uh, how how might this be done? Uh, give us an idea of what we might do. Take... 10 or 15 percent or 20 percent of our financial capital and put it into different buckets. You talk about, could you just talk about that a little bit?
3: Well, sure. So, so briefly, you know, some of the other buckets we talk about are things like material capital, which could be in my case, as I look out my window, my material capital is solar hot water, solar thermal, um, extra insulation in my house, and a variety of things that give me multiple ways of both heating my house and cooling my house and also needing to do less of both of those things because I've invested in insulating. And so we have a number of examples, uh, particularly at our website as well, where you can look at, hey, if I was going to take some money and I wanted to earn a nice 18% on it, you know, where would I put that? Well, Wall Street can't guarantee you anything at this point. You can't mm-hmm. put it in bonds. But if you put it in insulating your house and also air sealing it, there's a measurable, quantifiable ROI right there, so so that's in on this idea of material capital. We've got a bunch of investments people can make, which are have identifiable returns to you. Now these are typically for homeowners. If you're a renter or or you're in a big apartment complex, maybe less applicable.
5: But mm-hmm.
3: uh, for for people who who are uh, in a position of being a homeowner, there's fantastic returns to be had there. And so note what happens first. You're you're investing. You're getting good return today. Two, you're probably living in a, in a more well-insulated, comfier home. And three, if there's a future energy shock, you'll be less impacted than somebody who hasn't taken these steps.
2: All right. Uh, well, it's another concept on page 61 uh, of your book, you must pre- be prepared to lose money. Um, you know, we don't like to think in those terms, that's for sure, and when I turn on my MSNBC or, or CNBC or or any of the major networks, they're certainly not telling you that you should ever think about losing money. Adam, could you explain why why you're so certain that we, we should really plan on losing money?
6: Sure. Um, so, as we say in the same chapter, we, we, we list out a lot of the um, both risks to the current financial system, and that has to do with... Um, you know, a lot of the, the stimulus that the central banks have, have pumped into the markets that's reinflated asset bubbles. So we feel that there are many asset prices that are overvalued very much in the same way that, that many were back in 2007 before the, the credit crisis um, brought prices down. <clears throat> so first off, we just want to make sure that people are looking at the landscape with a an informed, eyes-wide-open perspective about the risks that are out there. Mm-hmm. Those risks, from our perspective, are, you know, lower prices are likely coming, Um, And uh, we also talk in the book sort of at a macro level that we feel kind of in the grand game from a a macroeconomic standpoint, the natural forces of deflation are trying to win out here and likely will in the near to midterm. So we see ourselves as entering a a pretty punishing deflationary system um, that then will be met by the central banks with a, very highly inflationary response. It'll sort of make the money printing that we've seen so far seem like, uh, you know, probably like just the early innings of the game. So we want to make sure that people kind of realize that that we're most likely in a macro sense going to go down in terms of prices before they, they start going back up through inflation. And getting back to the other forms of capital, a really important one is emotional capital, which mm-hmm. is the ability to deal with adversity uh, with confidence and uh, and without becoming you know immobilized or paralyzed by fear or making bad decisions or rash decisions under pressure and you know during deflationary periods particularly if they're compressed uh, again sort of like two thousand eight where prices are falling very quickly most investors find themselves flat footed and mm-hmm. they either stay in investments that they should not be in they don't uh, take on the additional cost of insurance uh, to protect against the downside. Um, or they make really rash decisions, and um, you know end up regretting them later on because they, they weren 't thinking them through, so um, for all the risks that we list in that chapter you mentioned, um, we tell people at the beginning, look expect that that you 're going to lose money, that everybody 's going to lose money, mm-hmm. and emotionally prepare for that first. What we then say though um, is, yes, you should plan to lose money. The trick is to make sure you lose less than everybody else on a relative basis, mm-hmm. and that's where we go through some of the solutions, um, particularly on the hedging side. There are lots of strategies that you can use today. Uh, we recommend you do them with a, an experienced professional financial advisor. Um, a lot of people aren't terribly familiar with placing um, hedges and using defensive options um, themselves individually and it can be a little bit complicated so definitely do it under the guidance of a trained professional but there's lots of steps that you can take today to make sure that when uh the you know deflationary forces that we feel um win out and prices really begin dropping you've already got an action plan in place and so you're simply mobilizing your plan and you know you're able to feel confident and and, and not, uh, you know, emotionally torn up about it. Where we think the average person who hasn't planned is uh, is really going to be experiencing and suffering some mental anguish then.
2: Yeah, deer in the headlights is a picture that I that I can see, and I've experienced exactly. myself in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I must confess. We, uh, Adam, you, you talked about the the sort of macro picture that's going on, but I could see then that probably hitting people in higher taxes probably uh, pension funds. I mean, all of these things that we sort of think of as as safe and secure um, maybe all of a sudden aren't so safe and secure. So I uh, would like to ask you, Chris, where do you think we are in this process? Adam was talking about deflation. We've seen huge amounts of decreases in, in the price of metals and the energy products and so forth, um, you know, oil and gas and uh, copper and gold and iron ore and all these things have had... You know, massive declines in their valuations, uh, yet we've seen stock prices, of course, uh, flirting with new highs all the time. Where do you think we're at in this process of deflation, Chris?
3: Uh, Jay, I think we're just getting started. Uh, you know, you mentioned many of the sort of deflationary things we're looking at. Uh, deflation for us, of course, is a, a monetary phenomenon. Either mm-hmm. credit and money are expanding or they're contracting. We think that, you know, China was an obvious big major driver of the expansion, uh, tacking on over $20 trillion of, of new credit in their system in just an eight-year period, an astonishing number. And, you know, the whole world has taken on probably around $60 trillion in new debt since the crisis at this point. And we don't have a lot to show for it. And this is how you get a deflationary wave is if you invest a lot of money uh, by borrowing it into things that don't pay, that they can't pay back. So that's what we're seeing all the commodities the key ones you know iron ore i believe is now down 80 percent from its highs yeah. in 2011 uh, it's just astonishing uh coal oil cement oils back at 38 as we're recording this right now astonishing so those uh, to to us suggest that the stock market is whistling past the graveyard we've seen a, a gross uh, uh destruction of the internals of the stock market it's really looking very unhealthy and of course Everybody's kind of hoping, depending, requiring that the central banks will somehow magically keep it all elevated. We think that's a mistake. We think that's a a sucker's bet. We think that first we're going to experience a big round of deflation. It's going to be painful. It's going to be scary. There's going to be a lot of wealth destruction. It's going to be centered in the credit markets. Uh, We see an extraordinary disconnect now between triple C debt and stock prices. Normally, when you have a big spike in in, uh, yields and triple C junk debt, You would see the stock market going down. It's a very high correlation, but it's uh, been missing in action for the past month and a half or so. Uh, We think that's also, uh, you know, one of those two markets is wrong, and uh, we usually put our money with with, uh, bonds to be correct. So we're expecting that deflation to come. It's going to be uh, really a a fairly uh, unpleasant moment for the markets. And then we think there's another round of this, which is the central banks really hitting the panic button and getting money to Main Street, which is why we think people need to have a plan. They need to understand what they would want to buy, what assets they would want to own for the future, because when the Federal Reserve, for instance, gives you or I a check or we get tax rebates or however they put money in the hands of Main Street, uh, that that would be your moment to run, not walk, uh, to buy these things that you already know are assets you would like to own.
2: Right. Well, we've certainly have seen the quantitative easing has put money in the hands of Wall Street. We haven't seen it get out to Main Street. So what you're saying is at some point in time when we have a massive, when, when this market really crashes or when it goes down significantly uh, or when prices in general continue to decline, there will be a panic and then the politicians, the policymakers will put money one way or another. Helicopter money, I guess, is the vision that's given either through tax rebates or through or just simply giving us checks. Then if the money was in the hand of the masses, are you suggesting then we might see a turn from this deflationary environment to an inflationary environment, even a hyperinflationary environment, Chris?
3: Yes, that's, that's exactly the call that we'd be making. Because, you know, if we back up a bunch and look at this from a very high-level view, money is just a claim on stuff. You know, I want to buy a guitar, I need money. So if, if there was more money than guitars, obviously guitars go up in price. And debt is a claim on future money. Look, we have $200 trillion outstanding debt. We've got, um, you know, however many trillions of dollars uh, in currency out of the market. We've got the world's major leading central banks having a quarter of the world's GDP on their balance sheets at this point. And we think that's just a big, dry pile of tinder. All that has to happen is for the people with money to decide they'd rather not hold it, they'd rather be holding something tangible, and we think that's what the next leg of this story is. Uh, so where today everybody's talking about how smart they are for being in the stock market, pick a number a couple years out, people will be talking about how smart they were because they bought land, sold, uh, you know, things like that, tangible pieces. So we, we fully expect this to end one way or the other, Jay. What has to happen is we have too many claims against too few things. Mm -hmm. Either that goes down a deflationary route and we just wipe all that stuff off the books and nobody Mm -hmm. wants that because political careers get ruined and bankers get pilloried and and institutions Mm -hmm. fail. Or we go down an inflationary route, which ultimately takes it away. There's only one third option on the table that they're talking about. I hope they don't do it, which is locking us all in this banking prison, as it were, and then forcing negative nominal interest rates down our throats, forcing us to lose money on money that we've saved. That is a third plan. They're talking about it, but I really hope we don't go there.
2: I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk, uh, Chris and Adam. Maybe, Chris, have you opine on this to start with, but uh, I've seen reports of huge amounts of gold flowing to China from the west and then i'm reading that russia is selling their oil to china in exchange for gold and indeed according to these reports that i've read russia has been importing a huge amount of gold in exchange for their oil uh and it seems to me i mean this this is quite out in the open that the BRICS are preparing to compete uh with the nato countries with the the dollar system they've made no bones about it they're not trying to hide it uh do you think that um all of these wars and things that are going on now, we're seeing, you know, Russia increasingly involved in the Middle East and the oil fields. Chris, do you think that, um, that, that this is something we sh- people should be aware of as, as a possible catalyst for some major changes going on in, uh, in these financial markets and these commodity markets?
3: Absolutely, Jay. This is a set of topics that we've been covering in detail at Peak Prosperity. I've written reports on what's actually happening in Syria, uh the fact that the united states appears to say one thing about isis but but then is doing another so we say we're bombing them but somehow we're we're actually uh, supporting them and and actually protecting their oil smuggling mm. network it's all crazy time and of course russia is being uh sort of marginalized and and we're attempting to put a power play on russia you have to understand that, that really you know the larger context of this is that russia china and the west are all trying to figure out who maintains dominance over the Middle East oil fields, which is the last best stuff on the planet. Everybody knows that. Don't, mm-hmm. don't you know, but let's not kid ourselves. And, uh, you know, we have a very, very large, uh, I think it's got like 12,000 words. It's a big report on gold, specifically talking about this flow from west to east and noting that uh, there's at least a 1,000 ton, but maybe a 1,500 ton per year deficit hmm. going from the west heading into China, India, and Russia um, collectively. And so the only question is, where does that gold come from? Well, we know it's coming out of Western vaults. Gold, you can't print it out of thin air, and they're not buying paper in those places I just mm-hmm. mentioned. They want the real stuff. So we're convinced that, um, that this price manipulation scheme of keeping gold down has been successful. It's helped do some policy aims that the central bankers want, but it's cost them. And it's costing them an increasing amount of gold uh, leaving the West. That can't continue forever. I mean, it can continue until you physically run out But, but politically well before then uh, We know that the West would not part With uh, more than a certain amount of gold And so that's, that's the, the, the Trend and of course I do think that China and I think Russia are both engineering A way to get themselves Away from the dollar as fast As they possibly can of course It's a slow process but that's what they're doing And it will not surprise me At some point in the future to discover that uh, Gold gets Essentially, remonetized or backed by one or more countries outside of uh, the dollar standard.
2: Yeah, we, if if we're sealing off, essentially through, well, we, we you know we're trying to force in a way it seems as though we're almost trying to force China and Russia together with the sanctions and so forth that we've placed on those countries, and and in, in any event, it seems to be. Uh, maybe working against our best interest in the longer run, but in any event, I, I should mention. So you have a, lo- a large, uh, a very extensive report on gold. People can buy that, read that at peak prosperity, Chris.
3: Yeah, that will be coming out. It has a has a free front part, um, which is which has got a lot of content in it. And then for people who want to go deeper, we do have a a subscription newsletter service, and that's where we put uh, all the meatier, uh, deeper analysis and, and usually a little more descriptive. Uh, what should I do? How would I play this? You know, how would I yeah. position myself? Uh, what would I do about
2: this? Sure, it's peakprosperity.com, folks. Just uh, take that down, go there, and 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 read. Avail yourself to all the wonderful information that's there, and and uh, think about subscribing to the letter and and the book, of course. Well, anyway, let's talk in the remaining minutes we have here about what we can do to protect ourselves against this impending inflation, assuming that that's the direction we go. Well, first of all. What should we do now before before we hit that inflection point and we start seeing prices rise again? What what should we be doing right now, uh, Adam? Maybe you'd, you'd care to add some things there.
6: Sure. Um, so the, the the tricky part about this game is making sure that uh, uh, while we we have a fair amount of confidence from where we're starting and where we where we're ending, we don't exactly know the path that we're going to follow to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you got to make sure that you're not Putting all your eggs in one basket at one time, and then have the market uh, surprise you, and uh, and then you know lose a good chunk of what you what you're trying to protect. Mm-hmm. So we do recommend a diversification strategy. You know, Chris mentioned an important part earlier, where we start by looking at your financial wealth and, and asking yourself what percentage of that you want to put into that resilience building fund we talked about. So start there. Secondly, we do think that we are um, you know over the, the sweep of history. Um, Wealth used to be defined really by tangible assets. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've moved into a very financialized period of history, and we believe that the pendulum is now swinging back uh, into harder assets, and and one of the main reasons for that is because they they can't be inflated away in terms of their intrinsic value. So uh, in general, we recommend that people start looking at, all right, how do I get my money out uh, or or a greater percentage of my money out of financial uh, paper claims and into real tangible ownership of, of hard assets. So uh, that Chris mentioned a few of these, but that's things like land, it's things like uh, you know, owning commodities directly, um, it's, uh, uh, you know, we, we would put productive businesses in that same category, uh, there's a whole list of, of items, and we certainly go into this in the book.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, secondly, too, it is not a bad time, Even, and this might sound a little counterintuitive, but it's not a bad time to build cash mm-hmm. um, because we do think that we're going to be going through this deflationary period first. And uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, with all the flaws that we've just listed and the risks to the U.S. dollar, uh, in the near term, um, it is going to be the, the most likely one of the preferred, if not the preferred initially, Uh, safe haven when there's a flight to safety. So, um, uh, you know, playing it safe, taking your chips off the table and just storing them uh, in cash, uh, that's not a bad thing to do with a percentage of your your money here. Um, And I just want to underscore something I said earlier, but, you know, this is a diversified strategy. Um, It it will require a little bit of sophistication, and we think that most people who have real lives, who are busy, who don't manage capital, you know, on on a regular basis, who don't have the... The time or the seasoned experience to watch the monies uh, watch the markets frequently um, building this whole strategy and plan under the watchful eye of a experienced financial advisor who is appreciative of the risks that we've been talking about in this this interview um, we recommend if you can do that and you really should and Chris and I even as, as much as we follow the markets, we still work with a financial partner
5: mm-hmm.
6: um, because um, you know the, it's always good to have an extra pair of eyes and an extra brain in the room to make sure that you're um, you know, being smart in terms of how you're putting your strategy together. But also, you know, again, we're we're all busy people, we all have real lives. We can't be watching the markets day in and day out every day. And we're gonna be entering an increasingly volatile period where things may happen and begin to happen quite quickly in the market and relatively quick decisions are going to need to be made. And having a partner that's actually doing that full time is a great early warning detection system.
2: Yeah, well, it all makes a lot of sense, and certainly uh, building your cash at a time when, when you expect prices to continue to decline also makes a lot of sense. Owning the dollar makes a lot of sense, and I I can understand it certainly seems to be the direction of things for now. And I just uh, tell my listeners there are so many topics we don't have time, of course, to go into, but the idea is for you to buy to buy the book, Prosperity. It's It's a very, very important book. But just some of the ideas, uh, as Adam was just talking about, building cash, build an emergency stash, keep a reserve for hard times, build up your dry powder so you have money to, to buy things at with, with the bottom of the market when things are bottoming out sometime. Uh, that's how you can actually come out ahead uh, in these difficult times, potentially financially. Um diversify your your other holdings in in different currencies and so forth, too. But, of course, precious metals uh, makes the most sense because uh, that's a time-honored monetary uh, unit that cannot be created out of thin air, and so it makes all the sense in the world to own uh, gold and silver for sure. Prioritize cash flow, develop multiple streams of income, amass passive income. Those are all topics that are covered in... Uh, in this wonderful book. So I really want people to, uh, to go and, and buy this book. You can buy it at uh, any bookstore, uh, online, anywhere, and, and go to peakprosperity.com. One more thing uh, before we let the both of you go. Chris, uh, towards the end of Chapter 6, uh, there's a caption, Live below your means and invest the difference. Talk to us a little bit about that, the importance of doing that.
3: Yeah, this is I, I, that's time-honored uh, advice goes way back. Uh, you can get a nice Dickens quote around that, or, or further. So, the idea here is is to uh, really take a good, hard look at, at the budget. It's one of the things that we talk about in this chapter: is to get a good sense of your financial inflows, outflows. You, you know, make sure you understand your balance sheet, your cash flow statement, uh, and then most people we've discovered, if you really look, you can find ways to trim unnecessary expenditures, and if you can get those below your actual needed cost of living, then you can invest the rest. For many people, it's an eye-opening experience. They discover that once you factor in credit cards and this and that, they're really not even living hand to mouth. They're actually slowly going further into debt over time. And, and so uh, we think this is a great time to, as you mentioned before, this is a good time to be as defensive as possible, to, to really build up some dry powder for the times that are coming. Uh, we think it would be a mistake to think these moments this moment in time will continue as is forever so uh this is a really important idea for us is to yeah live below your means for a while save up money and invest the rest
2: yeah, and certainly, and certainly, uh, I might add just my own my own opinion there. If living below your means doesn't mean that you're less happy, in fact, you might actually spend more time doing things in life that, that bring happiness, uh, sharing with others and, and giving to others. that might actually be be of, of greater importance. I think both of both you, Chris and Adam, would agree with that.
3: Oh, absolutely. Let me say that you know the statement we use is, "I've cut my standard of living in half, Jay,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and I've doubled my quality of life."
2: Uh huh. Yeah, I can believe that. I
3: have a much higher, yeah, much higher quality of life now than than before when I when I had a boat and a bigger house and all sorts of things.
2: Yeah, all the all of the difficulties that go with maintaining that and running around like crazy trying to to take care of everything and you don't have time to give your wife a hug or some things that are important like that, perhaps. So anyway, we are out of time. It always goes so fast with both of you. Thank you, Adam, and thank you, Chris, for being with us. Uh, Once again, you guys have some really important things to tell people, and so I'm so pleased that you could be with us again. So thank you very much. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for this week, but be sure to keep your eyes open for our show next week. Uh, We will have more important insights from our guests. So until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
0: Investors deserve to start seeing greater returns, period. Creating shareholder value requires vision and a disciplined, fiscally responsible style. At Dynacor Gold Mines, we are proving how to fuel growth without shareholder dilution. Cash flow and liquidity levels are as robust as the company has seen throughout its history. Dynacor is a low-risk public company generating actual profits coupled with real shareholder value. Learn more at DynacorGold.com or follow us on Twitter at Dynacor Gold.